0: Anyway, so we are, uh, we're kicking off our summer of somebodies and somethings, and we have a special guest. Brandon is here with us, Brandon Cash, so will you please give him a Seacoast welcome? So are you the, you're the male model, right? Is that what we're having you here for this weekend? Is <laughs> right? the. No, okay, no, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so Brandon is, um, he's, he wears many hats. You wear uh, the, you're a professor at Biola. You are a pastor of a church in L.A., and you are a chaplain of the Dodgers and the Kings?
1: There hasn't been a lot of Christianity in hockey okay. lately, but <laughs> technically I am, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool.
0: Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're going to be talking about faith and baseball and all that kind of stuff, but before we jump into all that, um, why don't you just tell us just a couple quick facts about you, one of which you got to start with is that you're a local boy.
1: I am a local boy. I... It used to be called Pine Middle School before it was McAuliffe Middle School. I was the last graduating class of Pine Middle School. And when I was in eighth grade, we were sitting in the library watching the space shuttle blow up in front of all the kids. And we were like, oh my gosh. Uh, and then they closed Oak and they were combining the schools. And so they named it McAuliffe after Christy McAuliffe. And then The community blew up, and so they reopened everything. Now there are two schools, McCullough. But anyway, I went there, and then I graduated from Los Alamitos High School, uh, Griffin fame. All right. Right.
0: Yeah, so you were the last of of before McCullough, and I was the first when they reopened Oak. So I don't want to brag or anything. (laughs) You shut it down. I brought it back to life, yeah, so. so that's fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, um, by the way, if you have questions, we're going to uh, take some of your questions, and you can do that via text message. And so I think there's going to be, there it is right there. If you will text that number, it will go straight to my phone. That's not my phone number, so don't try to hit me up later, okay? But uh, that's a number in which I will be able to receive your questions. And so as we're going along, and I kind of warned them, I said, hey, if I'm checking my phone, it's not that you're boring. I'm checking for messages, okay? Um, so anyway, why don't we talk a little bit about how, uh, how did you become... The, is, is there any Dodgers fans, by the way? I'm not sure if we're Dodgers. Oh, okay. We do have Dodgers fans. I was a little nervous that we were going to be Angels people here. Well, um, if there's
1: Angel fans, I was just going to say thank you for Albert because he is a good dude. And uh, yeah. So we like Angels fans unless we meet them in the playoffs.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became a chaplain, how long you've been doing it, and then also what does that mean? What does that consist of?
1: Yeah, it's... You know, you look back on your life and you see how God was kind of moving things into place before you knew really what was going on. I graduated from Los Al High, and I wanted nothing more than to be a professional golfer. Like, golf was my life. Golf
0: was my God, if the we're way, honest. By um, I forgot to ask you about this, but there was another golfer coming up in this area around the same time as you, if I do my math correctly. Is that right? Yeah, that he, he was, did okay. Like he, he kind of right. struggled for a little while, but yes. he did okay. What's his name again? Tiger. Tiger. That's right. Tiger. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Did you ever yeah. meet him on the course? Yeah. Oh. How in did fact, you? thanks for the softball. Yeah. I beat Tiger Woods in a long drive podcast okay, so, in college. Okay. Okay. Hey yo. Hey yo. Yeah. I do my research by the way. Uh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you right. for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so anyway. I get out, my senior year of college is when I really felt like God was calling me to pastoral ministry. Uh, The Bible started coming alive. I joke around that I used to go to church thinking about golf and now I was playing golf thinking about church. And went to seminary when I got out of college and I just kept thinking I wasted my college years because I really didn't study at all. I just wanted to play golf. And I get to Talbot, I'm going to seminary, and I'm learning all this history about the Bible. And I thought, man, I could have majored in classics or history, and I've been so much further ahead in the game. And then I'm at this church where I've been pastoring since 1998, and we're really close to where the Lakers and the Kings practice facility is in El Segundo. And a player got traded from the Colorado Avalanche to the Los Angeles Kings, and he had come to Christ when he was with the Avalanche. When he goes to the Kings, the trainer for the Kings went to our church. And so somebody had asked him, hey, do you know a Christian who might be good at uh, discipling this guy? I really want him to stay plugged in. And so he made the introductions and we hit it off. And when I beat him on the golf course, my credibility like went way up. And so that was kind of how it started with the Kings, did that for a couple of seasons. Uh, It was really just a Bible study with three or four guys. And then um, just out of the blue in 2010, December of 2010, I was driving and got a call didn't recognize the number, didn't answer. And then I listened to the message and it was somebody from Baseball Chapel who is a ministry that appoints chaplains to all the major league and minor league baseball teams. And apparently he had got my name through the hockey circles and asked me if I'd be interested in being the chaplain for the Dodgers. Okay. And I said, yeah, I would be very interested in uh, being the chaplain for the Dodgers.
0: Now, were you like a baseball fan at this point? I or? was.
1: Truth be told... I wanted to be a professional baseball player, okay. but I just was never good enough. You had a lot to, of dreams yeah, here, man. I did, yeah. All
0: right.
1: And then reality hits, and you yeah. realize, okay, I'm not that talented. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the Dodgers. Like okay. had season tickets. Uh, we didn't have the whole season. We split them up with a lot, and I'm still my uncle. Tim is one of the elders here at church. And I'm still a little upset because he got Game One of the 1988 World Series in the season ticket pool. Yeah, and so. Um, but
0: you got to see a World Series, yes. though,
1: right? And yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah it it was. It does. Okay. In fact, I got to meet President Bush. Did you really? I didn't even know he was playing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good for him. Good for him. Yes. So I don't even know where we got sidetracked on. What do I do as chaplain?
0: Yeah. This yes. is going to happen a yes. lot, by the way. Okay. We're going to just right. who knows where we're going to end up yeah. today. Okay.
1: I go to, uh, on Sundays when the Dodgers are in town, I do a chapel service for the Dodgers and for whoever the visiting team is. So, use the Angels as the visiting team. If they're in town for a weekend series, I would, Albert was the player rep for the Angels, and so I would text Albert and say, hey Albert, when you wanna do chapel tomorrow? He would give me, hey, I'm not sure the schedule, but maybe around 10 a.m. And so then I get to the stadium around 9 or 9.30 and I connect with them, make sure that still works. I'll do a chapel service for the visiting team, and then the Dodgers are almost always, if it's a one one o'clock game on Sunday, they almost always go at 11.50 is when we do chapel. It's usually 15 to 20 minutes. Very much just kind of a sermonette for the guys. And then I finish up with them and I go into the umpire's room. And the umpires, if they want chapel, I'll do chapel. Most of the time they just want me to pray for them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so. After we finish that. And then during the week uh, in non-COVID years, we also do a Bible study for the guys who are interested in growing their faith more. So it's kind of like you have your Sunday morning attendance, and then you have your people who are really plugged in in small groups and other ministries. Those are the guys who want the Bible study during the week and uh, dive a little deeper and spend more time together. All
0: right. I'm already getting in tons of questions. I'm starting to second guess this whole uh, text in your questions <laughs> thing because one of them says, can you be the head pastor of SEG? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I'm busy on Sundays. Okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm actually going to read that number out loud so we can find out who that is. The, no, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what it looks like to be a, a pro ball player and also a Christian. And some of probably the the difficulties of that, and um, let's just start with like, the makeup of the team. Is there a lot of believers in baseball? You already kind of said hockey, you know, they better, yeah. they better get their act together. They that's should. What I'm saying. Yeah. They're going to be a place that's much hotter than the hockey rink if they don't get their <laughs> yeah. act together pretty soon. True. Right? Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just think about in hockey, you have a ton of Canadians and a ton of Europeans.
0: No, well, there's a problem right there.
1: Yeah. It's right? just, yeah. just not part of what they're growing up with. In America, you at least have cultural Christianity, and so a lot of these guys grow up from the minor leagues, there's this baseball chapel, and so guys are going to this Sunday chapel, especially at the lowest levels. A lot of them, that's the first time they've been away from home. They're lonely. They don't know anybody in the town. Some of them don't even speak English, and so even trying to order from a menu and stuff like that is really difficult, so that's a way that baseball chapel is able to serve and administer minister to these guys at the lower levels, and as they come up there, uh, it's just always there. And so by the time they get to the Dodgers, um, baseball chapel has a good reputation and they've sort of opened the road for me. But the ministry is really like playing poker, you're, you you got to play the hand you're dealt, you can't change the hand. And so I've had really good years. When I first started in 2011, 2012, we had a huge group of guys, so I would get like close to 20 guys at Bible study during the week, um, it was a really solid group of guys. Of a
0: roster of how many?
1: 26 players and maybe eight coaches, seven or eight coaches. Yeah, it was was a big percentage of guys. And then uh, other years, I mean, COVID year doesn't really count because we had to do everything on Zoom. But other years, I'd say maybe 10 is kind of a low number for chapel. Now, Bible study is totally different. I may only have four guys at Bible
0: study. So are there like leaders on the team that are believers that are kind of... Maybe leading the way in kind of rallying some of the guys. Yeah.
1: So usually in spring training, I'll get together with Clayton Kershaw. I don't know if you guys heard of him. Decent pitcher. Yeah. In fact, he's pitching tonight. Somebody want to holler out the score? I don't even know what, what's going on. What's that? Oh, okay. All right. They're holding out for us. They were. Yeah. That was, yeah, really nice that of was them. good. Um, so Clayton has really taken the lead and really grown a lot over the years, and so he will actually lead a study on the road. And so he and I, during spring training, we'll look through some books. I'll recommend, like, hey, I think this would be a good book for you guys to go through on the road. So he has been a definite ringleader uh, for the faith.
0: So I, I think I heard you mention that um, they, you guys do Bible studies and stuff, but then do they take part in not only the Daily Divas, but they send a video out or something like that? Is that? There... Yeah, I do...
1: Baseball Chapel does videos for the week. So right this year, we started the season going through the Book of Romans. And so every week, like if they're at home, I do Romans chapter one, then the next week they're on the road, the visiting chaplain does. So the Phillies chaplain this week, I think we'll do Romans nine. Um, and that's what we do. And so usually what we'll do is I'll work with, like Clayton's done it, uh, AJ Pollock, um, been a few guys over the years. We'll work, they'll record a little video on sort of their take application of that chapter. Mm-hmm. And then Baseball Chapel, send it out to all the baseball players on usually Saturday night to kind of prepare for what happens on Sunday.
0: Cool. Do you have an Aunt um, Tammy? I do <laughs> I have an Aunt Tammy, yes. She said she loves you, heart uh, emoji. Oh, good. Thank She's you, Tammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She says she there she is, yeah. <laughs> I'm reading all these, and there's some funny ones. I used there. to call her Babu. Uh, that that was, says it right there. Yeah. Oh, does it? Okay, that, yeah. yeah. Says it right and I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't even know what that means. Um... <laughs> Okay, so uh, l- let's talk a little bit about um, maybe the openness of some of the either team members and, and also the staff. Like, are they open to – because you said there's a big difference between the two sports and your access to the players and to the staff and things like that. And so uh, the Dodgers, what is it – you know, do they invite you into, like, hey, you have 20 minutes, go do your thing, yeah. or what does that look like?
1: Yeah, right. with, with hockey – it's funny, any other professional sport, so if it's basketball, soccer, or, or hockey, or um – football, when they come to the stadium they're blown away by the locker room because guys are just relaxed, they're playing cards, they're joking around and it's because they play 162 games so like every single day is game day whereas in hockey and basketball you have half that many games in football you have what 16 games I think and so game day is like really significant so it's a much more relaxed atmosphere there's in hockey the locker room is a sacred room. Like coaches don't even go in there unless something's up. Um, it's just the players only. So my access with the Kings has never been real good. With the Dodgers, my first manager was Don Mattingly, who's a solid Christian. And he really just opened the door wide open to me. That whole coaching staff, um, Mattingly, Tim Wallach, a guy named Trey Hillman, they just really opened the door for me. And that was, that was really a God thing. You know, Luke talks about the person of peace kind of that person that's gonna open the door for you and the connections, whether it's in your neighborhood or uh, in your community or your work. And those, those guys really were those people for me when I first started. And I think then being able to build on the access I had and not screw it up, um, that's kind of continued over the years. And so they're very open. It's almost like I have the same access that a coach has. Um, I really do, I can go anywhere which hindered the ministry last year because of COVID. I couldn't do that. Uh, But just this last week was the first time I had total access unmasked, you know, for the first time in a year and a half. And so, um, yeah, so God's been very gracious in that sense. So you can just go
0: in, you can sit down with the guys, hang out, talk about life, things like that. Now, do people ever come to you for just advice, even if they're not believers? Do they ever come to you kind of just looking for life advice?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Over the years, I've noticed the two groups of people that I have the best relationships with are the people who are trying to grow in their faith and the people who have no faith. Mm. It's the people who are on the fence that I think I'm sort of a conviction to them. Okay. Like they see me around and they're like, you know, they acknowledge me and we have a friendly relationship, but it's not, um, yeah, it's not it's not great. I just think I'm sort of, you know, when Noah was building the boat, he was indicting everybody around him who wasn't. And so just being there, I think there's that, yeah. that presence. But with the... Unbelievers, a lot of times, the believers will tell them, hey, you got to go talk to Brandon about uh, Nobody so calls me Brandon. If they're please.
0: just having you know, issues in life or questions yeah. or, or whatever.
1: Yeah, and they'll, they'll, they, it's usually cash or something like that. But yeah, hey, go talk to cash about that. Okay. And then that's where just being around and, you know, everybody in these guys' life wants something from them, uh, everybody. And so I try to not get anything from them. I just want to be around, and then you build the trust and the relationship, and then when something does come up, um, then hopefully that door is open. So have you
0: had any interesting circumstances where people are coming to you? And
1: Yeah, I've, I mean there was one time, I, I won't say how long ago, because I don't want anybody doing the math, um, but as the team was leaving on the road trip, so they were literally, uh, she dropped him off at the airport and she served him divorce papers mm. as he was getting on the plane. He wasn't a believer. I happened to be going on this road trip as well. I wasn't on the first city, but I was meeting them at the second city. And so the guys, you know, he was having a breaking down on the plane and the guys were trying to talk to him and they, well, Brandon's going to be here. You got to go talk to him. And, and it was great. That really opened up the door for me to minister to him, to serve him during that. He became a Christian through that. Um, Yeah. So I think God uses us in those ways too. You know, you never know who's watching or who's listening.
0: Yeah. One of the questions we just got in was, um, do other players, maybe who practice a different faith, do they have leaders as well? And what does that dynamic look like?
1: No, they it's kind of up to each organization what they do. And the Dodgers have a Catholic mass for employees. And so anybody can come to that mass uh, on Sunday mornings. But with regard to the player ministry, um, baseball chapel, God's just been very gracious to baseball chaplains, so we're the only ones who have access. We weren't sure what COVID was going to do, but then the players' union went to Major League Baseball and said we'd like the chaplains to have access, and so that was what opened the door for us again this year. Uh Um, Yeah, so it's totally God's
0: grace that we are able to do that. That's cool. So uh, it seems to me, um, I've heard you talk about this a little bit, is there's almost a partnership between and this is my words, not yours, but between you and some of the players in order to try to speak into uh, some of the other players' lives, especially about faith and and kind of figuring out how to have those conversations and maybe even setting up opportunities to do that?
1: Yeah, these guys, baseball players have so much time.
0: Um, And there's a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of downtime. So
1: one of the downtimes, for example, is during batting practice. So if you're a pitcher, you've got a shag in the outfield unless you're Clayton Kershaw. But even he shags in the outfield to be a good example for everybody else. And so you're just standing out there, you know, be like Cody and I just stand out there talking about life while we're, you know, shagging fly balls. And a lot of times, unbelieving teammates or people who are even skeptical will pick their brain and like, hey, well, what about this? Okay. And so then usually that's when I get a text or the next time at the same, hey, so-and-so asked about this. What's the answer to that? And so then trying to equip them to be the ones who get to speak into those. I mean, these guys are like family, like they're together more than they are with their family during a baseball season. Yeah. And uh, so they're the ones that I want to equip and help to be able to do
0: that. Now you have a little bit of an, like a, uh, an advantage though, because you're an athlete. Don't, kid, don't, let, <laughs> it, don't let him kid you, he's an athlete, wait, all here, right? wait. Quick story about athlete, okay.
1: When I was in college, you couldn't, um, that was before cell phones and all that, and we had to go pick up our checks from the athletic office. I go to pick up my check and it was raining outside, and I go back to my car and I'd lock my keys in my car. So I walk back into the athletic office and I'm like, hey, can I use the phone? I'd lock my key in the car. And the compliance officer says, no, because that's a, like, if we let you do that, we can't let athletes do that because we don't let non-athletes do that. And I said, I'm not an athlete, I'm a golfer. And she still didn't, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> still didn't let me use the phone. That's so awesome.
0: yeah. <laughs> so you get to play golf with these guys a lot. Yes. You go beat up on them a little bit. Most of them. Most of them? Is there anybody who, who's... Yeah,
1: I'm telling you, these starting pitchers have so much time <laughs> that they just, they play so much golf that, um, yeah, there's a few that give they, me a run. They,
0: they at least better pay for your way out there, though, right? They do. Okay, good. And
1: they usually pay when I lose a bet. Oh, so, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. We don't gamble here. No, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's no gambling at Bushwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh edit that out for tomorrow, pick a note, uh, no, um, <laughs> so it's cool that to hear the intentionality of some of these players, right, yeah. they're not just apathetic, they're seeing this as like a way that they can use their relationships, but they also use their, um, maybe like to leverage some of their not- notoriety a little yeah. bit, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah,
1: I, you know, I've heard it described this way, um, that We just live in a world where people are emotionally invested in people they don't know. That's basically what celebrity is, right? You're emotionally invested in somebody you don't know from Adam. And what are these guys going to do with that investment that people are making in their lives? And what we talk about is, like, being a good steward of that. Like, how can you be a light for Christ in this community, not just in the clubhouse, but in the world around you? And it's interesting because guys have different... You know, I think of, on one extreme, you have somebody like a Tim Tebow, who was visibly praying on the sidelines, you know, during the playoff game. And then on, I would say, maybe right here, you have somebody like Kershaw, who's very open about his faith, and if somebody asks, he's never going to shy away from telling that, but he feels funny about public displays like that, because he doesn't, his personal conviction is like, "Eh, I'm not sure God's, you know. It's not right for me to pray for God to give us a victory kind of a thing. And so he's less visible with his faith than somebody like Tebow is. And then you have other guys that are really solid believers, but they're just not vocal about it at all. And I think part of that is because they're fearful. Like, what if somebody asks and what do they say? Or what if a camera catches me cussing, you know, in the dugout or something, you know? Or betting. (laughs) Yeah, something like that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Please. Um, Yeah, so that's... And you guys have seen, I mean, raise your hand, have you ever been disappointed by somebody you looked up to? Like, yeah, I mean, we all have. My dad's not
0: here, but yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, just trying to encourage them in a positive way, like, hey, this isn't a negative, this is a positive, like, you have this opportunity.
0: Cool. So a um, couple questions we're getting in. One is, and I've gotten this from a few people, is how do they, especially these um, believers, how do they balance between fame, fortune, faith, all that stuff? How do you help them? And we, we talked about this a little bit before, is all of us are trying to figure out this balance in our life, right? Yeah. We, we have hobbies, and we have jobs, and we have families, and we have all this kind of stuff. Well, these guys have it to like the extreme. Um, how do you coach them or, or guide them in balancing all of those things?
1: It's been hard because baseball is different than every other sport in that they have 162 games. You know, sometimes they'll play 29 out of 30 days or 31 days in a month. That's changed a little bit with the new collective bargaining agreement. But because my first answer to Christians is the Sabbath principle. Um, We just, you know, it's funny, we like nine of the commands and we're all in on those. We're like, yeah, murder, never do that. But then we talk about a Sabbath, and we're like, "Well, that was Old Covenant. That's not really in the New. And yet when you read closely the fourth commandment in Exodus and then again in Deuteronomy, it's the longest command. And it's the most difference between the two places where it's written, and it's because one focuses on God as our creator, like he provides everything. And God as our redeemer is what the second one, he delivered them from Egypt. And we need one day where we don't do income earning activity because it reminds us that everything we have is from the Lord and that it's the Lord who redeemed us. And so we have that one day when we do that. So you and I were talking earlier and, and so you don't have to say it. I'm going to tell your church, anybody who's watching, you need to get back in church because one day a week needs to be set aside
0: for the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, just, so, they just clicked out of that uh, box, by the yeah. way. They were like, and I knew I didn't like this yeah. guy. <laughs> yes.
1: So figuring that out for guys who are always working and just trying to help them navigate that, okay, maybe break your day into three chunks and try and get three consecutive chunks. Maybe that begins after a day game into the next night game. And because I just think it's not the daily, the day of rest is nice, but it's the acknowledgement that God is in control that gives us the ability to relax and realize, you know what, this doesn't depend on me. Um, And I think that's the first thing An athlete has to realize because they are uber competitive and to realize that not all of life needs to be lived with that sort of competitiveness like there's you know I say we all have a bandwidth and our job is to be a good steward of that bandwidth that God has given us maximizing being everything we can within that bandwidth but all of us can sinfully cross out of that bandwidth and start doing things that might look good on the outside But they're really sinful because they're taking away from what we ought to be doing for the Lord. And so just helping guys figure that out, uh, it's just hard in a really competitive environment to get to that place. So I start with that principle, like, hey, this is a gift from the Lord. You depend on Him for that. You want to do everything you can to maximize what He's given you. um, But don't forget that, and then we just prioritize, like we prioritize in our life. Like, hey, when you get home from a road trip and you're tired, guess what? You still need to be a servant leader in the home. Like, you need to be there for your wife because she's had the kids the whole two weeks that you've been on the road in five-star hotels and jacuzzis and, you know. Literally, like, one of the, like, things that just was like, are you serious? Is I go into the locker room one day and the training staff was bringing shakes and their daily meds and setting them in the locker as they hear from security what players are coming into the locker room. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you guys make their shakes for them like that and go put them in their locker, and I have a good enough relationship that I can give them a hard time about yeah. that and tell yeah. them that's not right. You guys yeah. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I'm like, go ahead, put it on. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Next, please. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, okay, let me get through a bunch of these questions because I do have a few of my own, but I want to make sure that I can answer. So we'll do, like, rapid fire because I'm getting yeah. dozens of questions. Okay, first one. Um, for this person's first game was at the Coliseum. Uh, 1961, when was your first game?
1: Um, not 1961. Um, I don't know. You know, I was talking to my mom about this, and I, I think I was probably five or six years. I was really young. Um, but the one that really stands out to me, and I think it was that's what I was talking to my mom about. I think it was 1981, as I was nine years old, when the Dodgers went to the playoffs. And it was either like an end-of-the-season clincher for that year, or it was the first round of the playoffs, and I just, how loud the stadium was, like I was actually a little nervous, you know, like you could feel your chest because of the crowd. So, so my first memory of being at a game was just the crowd noise, and I think it was the
0: 1981 playoffs. Cool. Would yeah. you let your kids be professional athletes if they could be? Um, like, let, as, so you see my the in, as you see the yeah. inside. So
1: my daughters ask me, can you set me up with so-and-so? And I say, <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't want my daughters to date professional athletes. Um, Yeah, you can be both. You can be a professional athlete and be a solid, have a solid walk with Christ. Albert Pujols, Clayton Kershaw, those are two guys that immediately come to mind who have done it well for a long time. Yeah.
0: Good. Um, Was it, what were the main issues during, uh, or what were the, what was different about trying to minister to these uh, guys during COVID? It was
1: when COVID first hit. So I was at spring training and I think I left spring training on Monday. And I want to say it was that Tuesday or Wednesday when everything shut down. So it was a normal spring training before that. And then when things shut down, uh, you know, it just went like darkness. They all left the spring training facility. Nobody knew how long it was going to last. And so it was just radio silence, some group texts and that sort of staying in touch. When we got started back up. The players weren't even allowed to be in the room together unless they were socially distant. So they had guys in different parts of the stadium. And so we couldn't have everybody in front of a screen even doing it Zoom. So guys are on their phones in different parts of the stadium. And if you've done Zoom on your phone, you know you can see like one or two other people. So you can't even see who all is on the call. And so it's just really a, yes. a dud um, until we got to the playoffs. When we got to the playoffs, they were able to set aside a room at the hotel in the playoff bubble. Uh, for chapel. And so wives and families. And so it was actually a very big group uh, and it was very consistent. But up until that point, it was terrible.
0: Now, do you get to minister to their families as well? And is your wife a part of that to talk to the, the wives and, and all that stuff? Yes. My wife gets to work with
1: the wives. Um, in fact, there's been years when they said they were more happy to have my wife than to have me with I, the, the I team. Have that. No, yeah. I get it. I have that a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. And then I think... There's also connections that I have, you know, whether it's through what I do with Biola or in the community of South Bay or um, to be able to help them in other areas other than just what's yeah. going on at
0: the stadium. Cool. Okay, I'm, we're going to run out of time, so I'm going to try to get through as many of these okay. questions as I can, but I'm going to ask mine first. Um, first, uh, the, we talked about identity last week. That was what the whole message was about and, um, and about finding your identity in Christ, not in what you do. I've got to imagine that's got to be a huge challenge if you're a professional athlete. How do you help guide these guys into finding their identity, not in what they do, but in Christ? And what, is that, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I'm, you probably said it, but it's not in what we do, it's who we are. And so I think of, you know, I think 1 Peter 2 talks about we're a chosen people a holy nation a royal priesthood we once weren't a people and now we are a people. like our whole identity is wrapped up in that and so what I tell them is you know what every single one of you you know you have in common one day you're going to be former baseball players like you're not going to be a baseball player forever nobody is and so just trying to get that know who are you in Christ and building that up and I'll tell you it reveals itself in funny ways. Like, when I went out to spring training this year, my left shoulder had been bothering me for a long time. And so, like, I go see the team trainer and the medical staff. I'm like, hey, my shoulder's been bothering
0: me. <laughs> like, you're the chaplain. Get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pray about it. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So the trainer starts working on me, and he starts hitting me, like, back here, but below the scapula. And he's hitting a spot, and I'm feeling it, like, all the way down my arm down here. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he starts feeling something here and I'm feeling it down my arm. And so the issue, what he came to tell me was, well, no, there was stuff here and there was stuff back there that was causing my scapula, you know, all this physiological stuff that I didn't know. But all that to say is like, I've been doing the exercise you want me to do and it's like, wow, this is great. I think our identity is the same way that you want to know where your identity is. Look at what you resent. Like, what, when, when do you feel resentment? And then you start to get to that place where you're like, ooh, maybe that's an idol in my life. Maybe I'm putting too much stock in that. And so when these guys resent the success of their teammates, mm-hmm. their identity is probably in what they're doing and not who they are. And so I think there's little things like that where I just try and help them understand, like, you can't have an identity problem if you're truly humble in a biblical sense, right? And so C.S. Lewis talks about, in the screw tape letters about seeing a cathedral built and being just as happy whether you designed it or whether somebody else did, but you're just happy that the cathedral was built. And baseball, I tell them, are you just as happy when so-and-so hits the walk-off home run as if you hit the walk-off home run? And if we characterize by that sort of humility, then we're going to, our identity is in a healthy place. Like my identity is in who I am in Christ, not what I'm doing, not what others are thinking about me or what they're thinking of me. Um, and I think that's just whether, whether you're a baseball player, or a stay-at-home mom, or a businessman, uh, we all have identity issues and struggle with that. And we just need the constant reminder that who we are is who we are in Christ.
0: Yeah, so if you look at professional athletes, um, especially some of the big names, they kind of have what would be the American dream right, is they've got all the money and they've got fame and they've got all the resources they could ever want. Um, and you get a unique perspective that probably nobody else definitely in this room has, has had, which is you get to see what their inner life looks like. Um, and we always talk about, man, if we could just get to that next thing, if we could reach out. These people have gotten there. What does it look like at the top? Is it everything that we dream it is?
1: There's some really cool things about being on top. But no, it's, and I'll tell you my rude like wake-up call to this was, and I don't, she won't mind me telling you, I don't think. You can slap me around afterward, babe, if I, if I do. Um, but my wife uh, has struggled with anxiety. And the reason I can say it out loud is because she shared it with the women at our church before. And so I know what, what that is. My very first Sunday with the Dodgers, After I did the Dodgers, uh, the wives asked if I could come up and do with them what I do with the team just so they could talk about it later. So I go up to the wives room and one of the wives grabs me by the arm and she says, so and so's wife, she says the name. I didn't know who she was until she said the last name, but you need to go talk to her. And so I'm like, I'd never met her before. I walk into the room and she's in tears and crying and it was anxiety because I mean, how many of you are graded every day in the morning newspaper based on your performance the night before? <laughs> anybody? No. Like, that's, that's what they get every day. Like, in the newspaper, you read your job report. Um, and she was struggling with anxiety and what was going on because of his struggles, but then also their car had been broken into, they weren't from L.A., and so she had all this anxiety, and I'm thinking, wait, this guy makes a lot of money, and she's dealing with the same anxiety issues that anybody else is dealing with, and I think there's that's just across the board. Whatever issue you have, it may manifest itself differently with people who have fame. But, you know, like, you know what I've gotten really good at? Taking pictures. Because I'm out to lunch with somebody and somebody will come up, oh, can you, would you take our picture? And then I, you know, go take their picture. Yeah. So they don't, it, they don't
0: ask you for They don't. A that's weird. Yeah. Huh. I'll tell
1: you one really funny one, though. I was out to lunch with, it was actually one of the Lakers who went to our church. Every time we got to breakfast, we went out to breakfast once a week, usually. Everybody would, like, there's the Lakers even more than the Dodgers, like, people wreck, I think, because there's fewer of them, and they play without a hat on. Every time, somebody would come up and want to take a picture. And so we get through this breakfast. Nobody had bothered us. Walking outside the restaurant, all of a sudden, a woman comes to the door, and you could see, like, she recognizes and she's running. And she goes, Pastor Brandon.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, hands him the phone. Can you take a picture of us? Yeah. That's fantastic. That's only going to happen one time in your yeah, life. Yeah, I way. know. Um, okay, real quick. We got a couple minutes left. Um, I wanted to ask you, one of the questions we got, two questions. Um, one, is there anybody who's hostile to you being there and the faith? And, and how do you deal with that?
1: No, you know, surprisingly, I haven't. It's been, it really has felt blessed to be with the Dodgers. I know other guys have had that. The only time somebody ever, like, unloaded on me, I, it was my fault. I was where I probably shouldn't have been at that time during the game. And he Trying had, to
0: play first base? Well, you know, I
1: thought, I yeah. no, giving hitting advice after somebody <laughs> struck out. No, I didn't. I didn't but yeah. Like,
0: you need to choke up a little bit,
1: buddy. Yeah, I just, it wasn't on purpose. I just walked in walking through somewhere and the way things are laid out, I ran into somebody who had just struck out as a pinch hitter and he was banging his bat against the wall and saw me and I just
0: got the overflow of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Somebody was asking about, and this is cool if you if no one knows about this, it's called uh, Faith and Family Night. Yes. And they were asking yeah. if that's coming back and maybe you could just tell us what that is and how you guys kind of got that started.
1: Yeah, I didn't know if it would come back. And then uh, actually Lon Rosen, who's the I, don't know, I think he's the vice president of the Dodgers or whatever, uh, just last Sunday pulled me aside and said, hey, Brandon, um, would like to do Faith Day again this year, sometime in August. Um, so why don't you put together a proposal, talk with A.J. and uh, Clayton and Albert, and um, let's see what we can put together. So I think we're going to be able to do it this so what, year. For those who don't know, what is that? So we usually have, at the very minimum, after the game, we have the guys who are comfortable sharing their testimony up on the dugout after the game, and everybody who wants to stick around can stick around. And so there's been some years where, you know, like the lower level and the uh, loge level are filled up on the left field line. And they share their testimony, and I do a Q&A with them afterwards, um, give a little message. We've had some big-name bands in the past, like David Crowder. Does anybody know what David Crowder looks like? Okay. Do you guys know what Charlie Blackman looks like for the Colorado Rockies? I, I got him confused like big, that day. Yes, guy. very big. Yeah. yeah, it was. Look it up online. You'll see.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, let me, uh, let's see. I want to, I think we got time for one more question here. Um, sh- let's see. All right. Let's go with, uh, let's go with this. Is um, how do you bring unity to the team? So right now there's a ton of different tensions that are happening politically and all this kinds of stuff, and I got to imagine it infiltrates the team as well. Um, guys come to you, they're struggling. How do you try to bring unity amongst those, those guys?
1: I try and get them to have conversations rather than sound bites. Um, you know, athletes get a, a bad rap sometimes, like as, as the dumb jocks. Um, but there's a lot of really thoughtful professional athletes. And the way professional sports works, and there's a lot of guys that are really smart, um, and they are thoughtful, but they never get the chance to talk about that. There are also people in a locker room who are very soundbite-ish, don't ever read anything for themselves. They're just parroting what they heard or saw on social media somewhere else. So what I mostly try and do is the guys who are thoughtful, I try and get them to be humble and good listeners. And the guys who are piping up i try and get them to hey why don't you go read a little bit more before you talk about this like the one that uh i mean there's been a lot of issues but the one where i think i i I was in the midst of the most heated argument and i was actually walked in and then wanted to turn and walk out, and they're like wait cash come here and that was when the kneeling with the national anthem um and that that was like a really hot topic and that's all i tried to do after that heated discussion you know settle it down was just to to go talk to guys on both sides and just say, have you considered how so-and-so is seeing it? Um, And I think because they have a lot of time together, I can encourage that, uh, which would probably be a good lesson for us as Christians too, is to be better listeners and, you know, to talk, have nuanced conversations rather than just parroting what we maybe hear from others. That's great. Cool. Well, we'll, uh, will you pray for us? I would love to. Yes. Thank Thank you. you. Lord, thanks for Seacoast Grace and the ministry they've got going here, the ministry they've had in this community for all these years. I know um, just seeing it and hearing about it from afar and knowing people have been impacted by it. I just give you thanks for that. Give you thanks for Cody and Pastor Doyle and uh, their leadership and what they're able to do. And just pray your blessing over them, Lord, in the days and the weeks and the months ahead as we transition back into doing what we hope we can do and what you've called us to do. I just pray that you would bless them, that you would pour out your blessing and your grace on them, that they might look back at the end of 2021 and just see great things that you've done. I ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. We guys thank you. Brandon, thank you so much for being with us here this weekend. You we guys stand with us we got a ton that's happening out on the patio. We're going to be celebrating all our July 4th stuff, so make sure you, you hang out. we got some food, stuff like that. Um, uh, you'll probably be around. You shake some hands, say hello to some people. Is that cool? If you weren't going to, you're going to now, so that's great. All right. Uh, sorry, threw them under the bus there. Anyway, thanks for being here, you guys. We'll see you next week, and God bless.